Welcome to Sales Talk for CEOs. I'm glad you're here. I'll be interviewing CEOs who have successfully scaled their B2B sales organization. In each episode, I'll start by uncovering the sales background of each CEO, dig into the strategies they use to build their sales organization, and wrap it up with what the future holds. We'll cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of scaling a sales organization. I'm your host, Alice Hyman. Hi, this is Alice Hyman with Sales Talk for CEOs. And today I am delighted to have my guest, Amir Ryder from CloudTask. Welcome. Alice, what's up? I've been driving hey. you crazy. I've been driving Alice crazy. I had a lot of technical issues and I forced her on Facebook Live, but now we're, we're here. Now. <laughs> it's always a fun day though, when you have tech issues and you solve them. So that's what we did. I was frustrated. I was about to give up. Well, you didn't give up. It. And so you're here. It. And so I'm, I'm super happy to have you. And I want you to start just by telling us a little bit about what CloudTask does. Yeah. So CloudTask was an outsourced sales organization that helped companies uh, build outsourced teams. And by outsourced, I just mean not a W2, right? That, that word is, it is changing now because everyone's remote regardless, right? right? Um, so it's building remote teams, remote sales teams. And what we would do is generate um, awareness, consideration, and decision-making activities for buyers. We're, we're, we were never reinventing business development or marketing um, and just scaling it with predictability. Uh, our pivot recently has been to a platform like the Uber or the Airbnb of outsource SDRs. And the why is because demand is skyrocketing for outsource SDRs and it will continue to. And we want to serve the industry. We want to serve, we want to serve both the outsourced SDR companies who are hiring and training amazing talent, right? Uh, they deserve to spend more time focusing on their talent, training them, less time talking to customers and selling them and giving them what they want to hear. And it puts us right. in a position where we can be transparent and be real and say, this is where you're going to lose money. This is where you'll make money. We don't care. We'll, we, we can power with all these varieties. Think about Airbnb. If you want to get a million dollar mansion, pay for it. You'll get it. If you want to save money and go to a shared room, maybe you'll get lucky or maybe you won't. So just being, you know, we're putting ourselves in a position where we not only can help the industry, help people, but then collect the first party intent data like Facebook does to make the to make us have a unique selling proposition where we control the data, we control the outreach, and, and we can get the message to your buyers faster, which is really what SDR work should be doing. Absolutely. And that's what everyone wants to do is get the message out there faster to the right people. So their salespeople actually have more sales conversations because as you and I both know right now that it's, that's not, not happening. Salespeople are not having enough sales conversations. Well, we live, we live in a world with a lot of inefficiencies, right? Um, and those inefficiencies are everywhere, right? They're with, with energy, food, how we are, right? And it's the same thing with how we do business. We have a lot of waste. We have a lot of wealth, a lot of uh, wealth disparity between big companies and little companies, right? We have a lot of big companies that have so much money to do it that they hire SDRs this way and then little companies think they could do the same thing with different models and they fail, right? right? So just, right. yeah, and just you know, looking at ways of, of fixing an existing world, that makes sense, making it more efficient. And so then we could be like, okay, how do we make it even more efficient? We're going to talk about that a little bit more because everybody would like to know how to make their SDR uh, function more efficient and or outsource it better. But yeah. um, I 
find out a little bit about how you built this amazing organization that you have. You're now about five or six years in and um, you started this company, what you said about 2016. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing right before you started the company and then, you know, got this great idea and dove into it? Well, I don't know if I had a great idea. It, it was more of a, an idea, um, an idea that we all lived in one world and that and that everybody was equal and that it didn't matter if you lived in India or America or Colombia, right? Like that was a base for my idea. Um, and then just wanting to connect everybody and, and travel and learn at the same time to, you know, to go on my own adventure. So, um, you know, I, I, it's hard to... What I was doing was I had a full time, I had a company I owned and I had a job. Um, I could do that because I, you know, I was married and I had kids and I chose to wake up at five in the morning and, and work my business till 8 30 and then work NetSuite, uh, which was a software company at the time. And I was a CFO as a service for a water company um, in international water. And I was testing out CloudTask and just kind of testing out its concept like, can I be a part of the team? Um, not directly. Can I produce? Can I execute at a high level? And, and, I, and I did. Um, and then uh, I got fired from NetSuite, which is ironic okay. because one of the things that my boss said to me was, Where do you really think you're a software sales guy? Um, I've gone on obviously to sell 70 million of, of software in the last two years. So that kind of was a motivating factor for me. Um, and I think he just knew that uh, my head was a little bit too complex for just following the ABCD. Yeah. You know, they wanted me some templates. So, like, cool, you pay me 200 grand some templates. Well, like I just felt wrong doing so little and making so much. If that makes sense, um, that's the corporate game. I think you know the corporate game, right? Oh yeah. Um, you work for Oracle, make half a mil, and work a day a week. So yeah, I just kind of like I basically wanted an adventure for myself. I wanted to to connect people to the world, and I wanted to make money doing it. And it was very similar to when I was younger. I was like, I want to become a doctor because I want to make money helping people. Then I got a little smarter. I'm like, doctors work in offices their whole lives and have horrible lives. Like I want to travel the world. And I just applied it to entrepreneurship. So you got fired from NetSuite. You were doing the side gig where you were CFO, you said? Yeah. And then you thought, gosh, I really want to travel the world, help everybody have equal access to doing things that they love. And so was CloudTask just born or was it something? Yeah, I mean, also I saw the race, right? I was working for these software companies like, oh my God, like you can do nothing, get paid so much money because they just have this brand awareness. They're paying SDRs like hundred grand to like do nothing. So I also saw the fact that there was a completely inefficient work model um, with these companies that just gobble up VC money and public money. And they're, they're able to push the buck forward 10, 20 years, you know? Um, so I saw that waste and then I, I, I kind of like also felt that the American workforce, and I, I hate saying this, just didn't want to work hard and wasn't going to work hard and they were never going to work hard. And, mm-hmm. and I, you can see the data and it's very fact. It's a very entitled, sorry, I'm American, mm-hmm. entitled culture. Um, and that's going to create opportunity for others that want to step up because it doesn't matter if you're American, British, or we're all humans and we all deserve a chance to have a good life. Okay, great. That sounds, you know, like a mission that's worth following. And you did. So you started CloudTask. And what was it like when you first started? Were you doing all the selling? Did you, you know, what were some of the first hires you made? Did you have people doing the SDR work or were you just doing it all? So that's a good question. Uh, lots of hires that we made. Um, you know, I, I was definitely doing a lot of outreach because I love it, right? Like I'm, I'm just a person who just meets people in public and 
brings people together throughout my life. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like my comfort zone is, is, is talking to people. Right. Uh, much like I reached out to you, I think about a year ago, we started a relationship with friends. Right. So yeah. uh, I was doing a lot of the SDR work and, and, and creating the awareness, but I was also one of the things that was unique was that, you know, I think in this culture of in Columbia, it's very much like I'm the boss, you're the employee culture. And I came in here being like, you're my teammate. I'm the leader. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a bullet for you first, right? And I was hitting the phones, and a lot of my early guys just saw that, and they saw the fact that like, you know, I could put my feet on the table, which I never would, and tell someone to do, which I never will, because it's not my not me. And I was just leading by example, right, to motivate the crew. Um, and you know, it's a good saying: what got you here won't get you there, right? So like, what got me here was a lot of unorthodox stuff. Um, like I probably was just you know way too friendly with employees hanging out with them because I, I liked everybody right like personally liked everybody um but it created at least that connection to help us get to the next level if that makes sense yeah um and i you know i can't you know not everything is re- re- uh, replicable for anybody listening to this because you obviously have to have a certain personality to kind of do that right like if you're a product-led ceo like you're not really going to do that right right um uh you know it makes sound an sdr back ceo so like networking is my thing so was, i made really good friendships with my teammates made friendships with my customers right like one of the biggest things that i did i think is that you know, a lot of the early customers I became friends with because I generally just mm-hmm. like them. I learned from them. I would share things with them. And I created a network of people that, you know, believed in me because they just saw the effort and, and they were almost a voice of awareness to other people. Um, and that I think was what helped us get there, but it's unique to us because we are an SDR company. Right. So I think, you know, I think you need to focus on who you are as a company to, to kind of get you there or if you're, you know, a product yeah. design software, like that's what you focus on. So I was just focusing on the networking. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. And I think that in any case, getting your customers to appreciate what you do and, and be successful because of what you do is should cause them to want to talk to other people and tell them about it. Right. So that's, that's a really great way to get yeah, started. I mean, we, we use this word success. And that's all relative. Right. I think we know that. So, so like, I, I guess a big thing is too, is I, I never, I never celebrated any wins. If that makes sense. Um, and I think that a lot of CEOs, early founders need to do that. I think, I think it, it, it if you are content with, wins and pads on the back, you probably will lose. You can get blinded by, you know, the short-term goals. So I kind of like, I think I was my harshest critic. I still oh. am today, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a concept of like, you know, never being good enough, but also knowing that it, it is good enough, right? Like there's that balance, I think that people need to have um, because success is relative, right? It's different right. people. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that, different definitions of success, but certainly when your customers are successful, that's the kind of success that that's what motivates want, you. Right? I think that's what all motivates us. Right. Like right. We live in a world where we're very well aware that there's a fine line between evil and good or the perception of evil and good, or, you know, a company that makes a lot of profit stories to earth, a company that is good, but doesn't make money. And there's like that, that balance, you know, it's, it's uh, so helping people for me, helping companies, focus on their product and making it better 
and not on SDR teams made me feel good because I was like, hey, you know, I know that even though this word outsourcing is like this mental roadblock right. that like people don't really want to be the best in sales. Like if you made a company that's like VR tech, like not like I'm the sales guru, you don't need to be, you need to be the VR guru, right? Like specialized specialization. So just, I think understanding that yes, I was helping people and that I was also helping people with jobs and careers because there's not such thing as perfect, but that made me, I think, uh, have the drive enough to question things a little bit more. In life so you really focused on both sides of it. You focused on helping your customers get the success they needed and you focused on helping people get jobs where they could feel successful. Yeah, I'm like, I just, yes. I'm like, I saw the impact it could have on people's lives that were very good people. Yeah. And it made me feel good. I love it. Yeah. My selfish reasons, right? Like, right. Right. You know. Okay. So you started growing, getting more customers. You were doing the selling, some of the work. You had a team to do some of the work. Where was the moment when you said, hey, we need to get some more people working for Cloudhouse so that we can grow and well, help? Well, I think people. my biggest problem is hiring too many people. Uh, I probably could have destroyed it if I just like had half the workforce and just did more work myself. Um, so like I would advise people on getting fewer people. And I think one of the tricks that happened with us is that, you know, I had a perception that because salaries are different in Colombia, right? You know, someone at $15, $5 an hour is the effectiveness of someone at $20 an hour. I was almost like, if you speak good English, I'll hire you type thing. Right. And that, that caused a lot of, you know, so it's like successful in spite of many things, right? So I, I think that I think that you should really build your business with as few employees as possible from day one. Um, they'll leave you. Yeah. And, and they will not help you. And I think that we have a future where CEOs like us and leaders should be making connections. Um, it's unfortunate saying that, but there's going to be a bigger gap in the future between people who want to work and people who don't want to work. It's very evident, right? So right. I would I would say build your company with as few employees as possible um, and just leverage automation of quality as much as possible so that you can really focus on not training people. Um, that's that's my advice, right? Like my biggest advice was it would be like, you know, work on having the fewest headcounts possible. Okay, so I think that that's probably yeah. smart in light of a lot of things that are happening today, which is there are too few people in too many jobs. We don't yeah. have the workers that are skilled in the areas that we need, at least in the United States. Now you've yep. uh, you've nearshored, which has made a huge difference for your company to be able to grow, and I think that is. Um, a great way to go also, but a lot of people don't have success doing that. People that have tried to do it. So I think there's some uh, specialty that you have there as well, but I, it sounds like, you know, in the beginning, you really worked together with here. them. Right. What? So, so I moved here. So I moved to Columbia. Right. My first five employees were working out of my, you know, I had a penthouse that was pretty big and I had a, a, a house and we were working in the house together right. as a team. You know what I mean? So, um, when it, when you said that word, like it didn't work out for a lot of people, like I'm going to add to that. Sure. Most things don't work out for a lot of people. It's <laughs> irrelevant if it's Columbia, New Zealand, New York, right? Like, these are just limiting factors that people think I don't outsource the work for me. I tried to right. support it didn't work. Like it, it, it just holds people's back. Right. So like we got to accept the fact that like we live in one world, we have to accept the fact that you are not a different person. If you live in India versus San Francisco and your bills are now 10 times more, it doesn't change who you are. Like these are facts. We're smart enough. No, yeah. we know this. Right. So we just have to like, 
really, and you don't need to hire your short to be successful. You don't need to hire New York successful. So you need to focus on your customers and your business model and your plan, right? I think, and I don't want to change topics, but Hakko, uh, his name for winning by design. Um, he's one of my one of my favorite guys to, to watch YouTube videos because he's a scientist, right? And like you talk about this building that I'm in, right? Like I'm in I'm in this big building, right? We take this for granted, and right. and, and and I'm on a mountain, right? Like this has been a right. machine. Like I'm on a mountain, and like this is not falling down. Why? Because everything was planned precisely. Everything, every tension cable, every piece of slab. But we don't build our businesses like that, right? right. And and. When we don't build our business like that, you lose money and nothing will work, right? So I think it's less relevant of where you hire, 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 how many hire, but like how detailed is your plan, right? Um, I'm not a good math guy. I'm not a good planning guy. I think that I just know my limitations and I know yeah. what works. And I, I fortunately have good teammates, but I think I think that's it's always a balance, right? Like all these things are ingredients in a successful company, but it also comes down to. Uh, are you building a painkiller? Are you fixing real problems? Because you can have everything right and a plan right, but if you have a, a candy, as I referenced, where it's like, am I really gaining anything from your product right. or service? So, like, all these things need to line up right in the right timing. And we know that, right? Look at MySpace, they were right, wrong timing. Right. But that's also relative. Tom made $200 million, right? He's not the richest man in the world. So, just like there's, you just have to look. You, a lot of business owners be more successful if they just actually observe the mistakes and failures of other companies. Yeah, yeah. Right. I agree with you about Jocko. Um, I love uh, how analytical he is and how he uses the numbers. I interviewed him last week uh, for the podcast and um, you'll love listening to that episode because he, you know, he's just really... Um, so much looking towards the future and understanding how sales has to be built. So it's exciting. And you, you've done some amazing things. And so how did you move from the beginning where you started it five, six years ago to where you are now with sales? How did you build your sales organization so that your company would continue growing and you could have the focus that you wanted and your customers continue to be successful and you, on the other side, do what you love, um, helping people find work that they love and yeah. you know people all over the world, right? So, so like the how is a very much about just doing and, and not being afraid. Like I just don't. Like I, I'm afraid of not failing, if that makes sense. Um, and I realized that at, at an early age, so like just do things. Like I would hire, I'd make mistakes. I would be quick to call myself out. I'd be quick to cut a loss. Um, and just understanding that I had to progress forward if that made sense. And, and it wasn't scientific. So I didn't grow my, I, I actually did not grow my business to plan out. Like I did it. Um, and it was a lot of changes and a lot of multiplies. So like, you know, I want to give you the honest answer. Um, and that's why I, I learned so much about the importance of planning, about the importance of job descriptions, mm-hmm. about the importance of not giving the wrong titles because of my mistakes. But, yeah. you know, how I did it, it was, you know, persistence and and trial and error and, and absorbing content and learning from the people that I was networking with and listening and joining groups, um, you know, joining Modern Sales Pro and like reading some emails, listening to some podcasts, reading some books, making pretend I read some books, some of those I didn't read, right? I didn't have a book. Um, and just, you know, the effort, I think, was what led me to build the team the way I did, but nothing predictable. And now I come to a point where I'm like, you know, hire two employees as possible. Like that, that was my advice. But how I hired the sales team was very much, unfortunately, a lot of it was gut instinct, which is not recommended, but that's what I had. 
Okay. So you, you grew your sales team. You decided to hire a couple of salespeople. At what point was that a couple years in or how soon did you decide you needed more sellers than just yourself? Cause I know you still today do a lot of the selling. I, okay. Well, we never had a problem with sales. We just, I would say figuring out the right formulas for teams, right? I think what, what would happen was that we would overstaff accounts, which would lower our margins and actually complicate the process. So we were more focused on like scaling the operations because sales came to us pretty easily. So like the sales team grew, a lot of it grew from like, who could I build into a good person, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had, you know, one person who was my first account executive, Nick Michael Sanchez, you know, he was a Rutgers guy, you know, uh, Jersey boy, half Colombian, half American, came down here and he was going to do a 24-7 support account that canceled. And I was like, you know what, I can speak great English, I'll take it to the sales team. And, you know, I took a lot of my early sales guys on road trips with me. So I went to like inbound in, in Boston. I went to San Francisco all the time. And I just kind of, I think I exposed them to like, hey, these people that we're meeting with are running billion dollar companies and we're giving them advice, you know, and, and you need to, you need to have that confidence and it, and it, and it came and that's, you know, that was my first per, like sales guy I've ever really training. And then ironically, my second sales guy was somebody who cold called me from a competitive company. His name wow. was Danny Singh. And I was like, Danny, you know, like, like in this business. Right. And I'm just, you know, straightforward, like local, same touch, blah, blah. Called me and and he was like, hey, the company was sold. You know, I want to stay in the regime, and um, I, I I picked him up, um, and that you know that worked out well. He was very good at closing enterprise, but I, I'll tell you that like, you know, I don't have my own sales team down to a science the way I could advise someone's sales team, which is ironic, <laughs> but that's usually how it is, right? Right. So it's much easier to, like give advice than just to take your own advice. <laughs> always, always, but that's yeah. good. So. But you guys have grown tremendously. And I think part of the reason is because your role um, as CEO has changed as your company matured, right? And so you've uh, played the role of doing a lot of the sales. You still do the sales, but you also evangelize for your own company. You're out there. You're calling people like me. You're finding partners. You're helping other people. You're sharing great information, great content. You're not afraid to get on LinkedIn and just you know, ask a question or say something and get people talking with you, get a conversation started. And I think that this is something that the CEOs who are listening need to really pay attention to. It's important. It helps your company grow faster. If they want to be, it's their choice. Right. Sometimes we don't want some people to be super good because then we can't stand out. So yeah, like it's pretty obvious that like we live in a world with social currency, like it's a game. And like some people don't want to play the game. They're going to, I wouldn't say get left them behind, but like, there's, there's definitely, it's normal, right? Like people hate change. So like if you're a CEO running a company worth $30 million, so it's like, don't like be social. You'd be like, I make money. I don't need to change because they're, right. they're f- afraid more of losing. And I, and I understand that. I, I saw yeah. it in surgical robotics, just surgical robotics and doctors would be like, no, I want to use my hand for spine surgery. I'm like, it's a freaking robot. It's perfect. You know, and it's because they're making 50 game up, but they, they don't like change. So, you know, I think, CEOs make, need to make a choice and they need to open their eyes and know what society is going and either play that game or not. But then the reality is that you look at Black Mirror and these movies that 
forecast the future with social media being currency. And you look at China and you're like, and Facebook, Meta, like you got to open your eyes and be like, I'm either going to be left behind, I'm going to be a leader or a laggard, and pick your pick your pick your spot, right? Right. So you know, some people, everyone's got different goals, right? That's the thing, right? I've met a lot of actual speaking of social. I met a lot of uh, CEOs of sales and market technologies that were not. Sales guys are like MIT guys, right? Right. Like I would tell them to their face. I'd be like, like, why are you on social media? Every million dollars of revenue is 10 million <laughs> evaluation. You're fucking losing money. And like they just couldn't do it. They're MIT guys. Like, like it's some people just don't have that personality, but there's also too much, right? There's a there's a balance where like we know that people are way too much on social and they're obviously probably missing opportunities for just making money. So it's right. Like, it's a new world. Um, and I think that, you know, we're, we're all learning. I think that a lot of people have this concept that uh, maybe they missed the boat or it's too late. And I think you just have to realize that you never missed the boat. You can you always try and you can always start. And um, yeah, I'm like, see what happens. But I, I'm doubling down on social. I feel like my social is weak. I feel like I should be doing more. Um, and, I, and that's just like I said before, like it's never good enough. So, you know, uh, I appreciate the feedback, but I think, yeah, I think there's a good, a better opportunity for us to produce better material, um, and it'll come. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, so you you started a company and you made a change not too yeah. long ago that was a very important change, and I want to talk about that because yeah. you read the marketplace and you said, "Okay, if I'm going to gr- continue to grow my company and continue to increase the sales, I'm going to focus even more." Tell us about how oh. that came about because you started off with customer success and um, SDRs and and other stuff. So kind of explain how you came to that and what you did. Um, Well, a lot of it was actually just people who advised me to be right, right? Like there was always, there's always this weird sense as a CEO that more is more when smart, educated people tell you less is more. And you're like, I'm smart enough to know that this genius is right, but I'm so emotionally caught into this that I keep going. And, you know, I think... I'm just a lot of people are afraid to admit they're wrong because they are mm. sensitive and they have and, and I'm just not so like I just admitted that I was wrong and I was like I did too much and I didn't focus and by wanting too much I got less right and I owned it and and then I said this is the change I'm going to make um, ironically there was um, you know an event in my life personal event in my life and that, that those tend to like motivate me because I'm mm-hmm. the kind of person that. I think I'll take any kind of adversarial thing and, and use it as fuel because you can, you can take things and, and apply it however you want. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, look, my mind, I was like, you know, I built 70, I did $70 million of software sales for other companies, partners that I know of. Right. Um, so let's call that $700 million of valuation. Right. And people still tell me, Amir, no, you can't sell software. No, you can outsource. <laughs> so I got to the point where I'm like, fuck you. Um, you know, I'm going to just do it. Right? I don't need your opinion. I don't need your... Like, so, and then I, I saw where the role was working. I'm like, look, Zoom if it was worth $25 billion, the data sucks. I said, tell you. Opportunity. Right? That tells me opportunity. Um, what is Facebook doing? They're collecting data. And they're saying, you can't buy my data, but I'm going to get you better results because that data. So... I just kind of like looked at the world and I would say copy things that are working because mm-hmm. I didn't need to invent Airbnb or Uber to see that they actually scale service companies. Right. That's what they did. They're a, they're a service commission platform, right? Different way of looking at it. So 
And I just saw my own problems. I saw the fact that like sometimes to get customers, they wanted to hear lies. And I realized that I can't change that. I can't change the fact that customers want to be lied to, but I could change my positioning where I'm like, oh, everyone's going to lie to you. And this is why, you know what I mean? And, and that was, so, so obviously the pivot had to come from goals. My goal is to build a billion dollar company. And I'm not saying that from a monetary standpoint, I'm saying it from more of a reputation, prestige standpoint of what I can do next in my life, right? Right. Um, I knew that to get there, I needed to put customers first. I knew I could get there, I needed to put my employees first. And I did my best in the realm that I had with my skills to be in my lane and to potentially make a difference in transforming sales. Not know, knowing that that's not, it's not going to take us to Mars. I'm not Elon Musk, you know what I mean? But it's a, it's a base and that's the direction I'm in. And that was why this platform change happened. And uh, also just seeing the fact, like I said before, like I'm going to have contest ventures. I'm going to build my own software company. So when people tell me that I can't do something, I do it. So I'm going to yeah. go back to all those companies and be like, oh, I just sold these three companies for 5 million bucks. You told me I couldn't do it. And that's just me. That's just how I roll. And I'm different. So you not only changed your focus so that it was even more specific, right? On uh, having SDRs who could help people build their brand, build their business, get the leads they need, get their salespeople, the conversations they need. But you also started building this software platform. Oh yeah. And I bought a software company. I bought okay. a software company a year and a half ago. I've been developing um, half a million dollars in. I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just doing, right? I got the CTO over there. I've been a product guy at a party and now my product team. I'm just trying to put the pieces together, right? Yeah. Um, I know, you know, for me, I'm very high level. I know the outcome I want to get to and I just try to coordinate everything. So the platform is operations working well. Um, and I'm excited about it because it's built not for venture capital companies. It's not built for investors. It's built, it's built for, for me and the team to help, right? And, you know, I'm just really focusing on those core values and just kind of, and, and kind of staring ahead knowing that I will face, uh, you know, problems in every second. Um, I have not convinced myself that I'm in the green or in any safe zone. In fact, I feel probably more need to wake up before the morning and work harder. And that's kind of what you need, right? Like, I, yeah. and like it's very obvious that like, you're gonna build a billion dollar company, you're gonna be 1% of the 1% that gets lucky. And you have to accept the fact that like, you're very unique and you're not so unique and, and you can only control your, your actions. And, you know, it's that like, it's, you know, I like, hope to talk to you in five years and give you some more feedback on, on the Absolutely. Journey, learning from everybody. So less people, building this platform, bought the platform, building it up more. Yes. And so how have, has your role in sales changed? So you're the CEO, you're running the entire company, you're still involved in sales, more involved in the beginning than maybe you are now or, or maybe not. But how, how has your role in sales changed in these five, six years that you've been running the company? I got worse at sales. Um, I speak extremely fast. I don't listen to anybody. And so I know what they're thinking. It's like, I, you know, like I have, ironically, I, I need to get off the sales calls. I, I, I want to come in as an executive sponsor. I'm just straightforward. I don't need right. to sell anybody. You know, how has my role changed? The business has changed. So it put me back in the front line, right? Um, so that I can mm -hmm. listen to the customer and, and, and yeah. hear what they're saying. Um, but I, I actually just, you know, I, I fortunately, have a really good sales team. They're actually, I think, better than I am at listening to customers. And I'm better at helping a customer post sale. Like I'm the person who like 
if a customer signs up and I know seven people have actually qualified, like I'll call them and be like, yo, I got this company, you should do the product, like be like making real meetings. Like I'm better at that. I'm better at like helping the accounts with you know the investments, the budgets, that stuff, and being yeah. into it and passionate. But yeah, I kind of pull myself out of sales where I can get back in right away. Um, because I'm very close to it and I and I and I'm passionate about it. Um but you know, my role as CEO now, I think. For me, I think the biggest thing is becoming much more planned, right? I think it's like really understanding. Like when I talk to companies that I, you know, I'm an advisory board of, right? Like their CEOs don't know X, Y, Z. They know like every dollar they're going to raise, how the payback model is going to be and, and all that. So, you know, I, I know that I, I have to learn now how to know all the details and, and let the team do what it needs to do, but kind of like steer it all together. It's not easy. And like, no. sometimes I default to sales. So when I get stressed out, like during my periods of stress, that's when I sell because it calms me down. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. But I like that you have taken a step over and let your salespeople do what they're good at. And then you come, you support them to do that. And you come in and do the piece that you're really good at. And I think that's a great way for the, the sales, the CEO to evolve as a sales leader, right? You don't need to be involved in every deal. And you've got people who you've, you've trained them, they know what to do, and they're really good at it. And you yeah. depend on them to do that. And you depend on them to know when to bring you in. So to use your time well, wisely. Well, well, you know, that's an issue, right? Like I, <laughs> I think I've told my team to bring me in on deals in the beginning strategy every time. Like, there is uh, there is definitely something culturally in where I'm at where people do feel uncomfortable being like, I need help, right? And that's because of that boss employer thing that I'm trying to break down. Where it's like, mm-hmm. tell me the problem right away, right? right? So, you know, I'm working on coaching the team to be more confident to bring me in. My personality is very different than Colombian culture. Like it's not a direct culture. It's a, right. they'll beat around the bush forever. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I, I know exactly what you're thinking. Like just want to say it. Um, so I'm still also working on the new the culture and just getting better and being more uh, sensitive to the fact that like, you know, I was born in New York and, and like a grocery lady in New York would be like, oh, Sonny, you're slow. And like, they just talk crap to you, right? That's normal. It's not normal here. <laughs> so learning how to, teach the team how to bring me on is an ongoing thing I'm working on, um, but they're doing it. But like I said before, I'm not, I'm not looking for perfection. Uh, I, I'm really not. I'm like, I, I can't, uh, it doesn't exist a company this size. It doesn't exist in any company. Right? Like, I'm looking for, am I, you know, are my customers happy? Am I fixing a real problem? Right. Are my employees happy? Is our record growing? Is our gross profit margin going? Yeah. I, I'm looking at high level stuff right now. Um, just because of the zone we're in, where we're, you know, a little bit above 5 million small company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that attitude though. I mean, we're not looking for perfection. That's exactly right. Well, we're looking for forward motion and keep growing. So what's I think the perfection? Future? I think perfection holds people back to, um, a lot of, really yes, it does. Don't take, they don't take action. Um, uh, I really in CLO is not here. You know, Ivy League guy, and I tell them like your biggest limiting factor of these listeners is your perfectionist, and you're never wrong, right? Um, and I think there's just that balance. There's a balance. Everything is equilibrium, and it, it, the whole thing, right? So it's, it, it, it's the balance between being too perfect and not. Too, it's like you know, it's hard to say. Like I do a lot of things that are imperfect, and people be like, "Oh my god, I never do that," you know. But like, <laughs> and again, it's like it's like well. 
you know, we love that. Like life's all about opportunities. If you don't take a shot, you'll never make it. So like, I kind of come into everything where like I have a zero and at the very worst case scenario, I'll get a one. Right. Or I'll be stuck with a zero. And then people are like, Oh, I can't take rejection. I can't this. And like, you're already rejected. You got nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, good. So the future for you, what's coming next? Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) I'm having a good time. I'm happy. Um, Good. You know, I think the future for me is just continuing learning. At the end of the day, I think the biggest currency in life is knowledge. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, And I think that that's kind of becoming my competitive advantage now where I'm like, just see so much, right? Like I'm 38 and I put myself in a situation where I've had very good friends that are like, you know, top guys in the world. And like, I picked their brain to the point where like, I know the best, right? I'm like, I know billionaires that lost the billion. Like, yeah. On, you know what I mean? Like nobody knows those stories. So like, I'm just been asking people questions. I'm focusing. I don't focus on success. Success is bullshit. I'll open up Instagram. I don't want to see fake people with big lives. Right. So I just been like asking, you know, people the real talk and mm-hmm. learning from that. And I think that's what's next for me is just taking that knowledge and helping more people with jobs, raising around, building my organization and, and then figuring out what's next and always questioning why. Great. Well, thanks so much. Um, barring all the technical problems that we had, yeah. it was so great to talk with Likewise, you. Likewise, Alice. I'd and love I to come what, down there and visit doing. sometime and check out I mean, your operation. It's and, amazing down here. It's like heaven. Like, I don't even want to go back to America. Yeah, it's great. No, well, you're I doing like great America. things. I love watching you grow. Um, I'm here for you whenever. You I'm know, here for you, you too. I'm like, my look, brain. I, you, I know you as the way I, the, the, the complex sale. Like whenever I think of any, <laughs> and I, I do know people. They're like, they, be, they come for leads. And I'm like, they're like, well, I don't have a problem getting leads. I got a problem closing. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, I just have to listen to people and make introductions because yeah, I, you're, you are part of, you know, the future, which is you don't need to be an employee to be someone's teammate. And I, I right. believe in that. A hundred percent. And I, I so really believe and have built my world that way that I am your teammate, reach out to me, I'll help you. And I'll do the same when I need you, I'll reach out to you. And I think the more we can do that and connect it, the better that we are. So I'm thrilled I'm to down. have this opportunity. Count to me talk in. With you. Yeah, you likewise. And I look forward to continuing networking and continuing to help people. Yeah. Pay the yeah. game of business. All right, Alice, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Have a really terrific day. Thanks for tuning in to Sales Talk for CEOs. You can find me at alicehyman.com. Be sure and connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you heard the show. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, write a review, and share the show with another CEO.